All right, let's get right into our last message on faith. You've got to have it. How many has this series helped you? Encourage you, amen? And so today, I want to conclude. Let's go right into the, uh, our notes. Get those out. Get ready to go with us because we're going to talk out of the book of James today. And James is the blueprint of a life of faith. He gives us a blueprint of how to really walk out a life of faith. The book of James is called the Proverbs of the New Testament because it's such a practical book. And it helps us to figure out our life and where we should be and what we should be doing. Anyone here ever use a GPS, you know, where you punch in some stuff and you let a lady tell you how to get where you're supposed to go and you don't even know if she knows her business or not, all right? You just trust her, all right? And, okay, ladies, you may have a man on yours, but all of us men got a lady talking to us, all right? And uh, we just don't trust those guys on there, all right? And, uh, but what do you do? You punch in some information, and she's supposed to tell you how to get from here to there. But how many's ever punched that in, and it didn't take you where you were supposed to go, all right? She didn't graduate from school yet, all right? And just didn't get you there. And then how many's kind of like my wife? You've got one, but refuse to use it. So you're like the children of Israel just doing this until you finally stop and ask for help, all right? And so, but here, here's what I want to talk about because James is dealing with this because how many besides me in here at times in your life, you feel like you've done everything you could possibly do in a situation, but you didn't end up where you wanted to? You know, whether it's your finances, your marriage, your health, your ministry, you did everything you knew that was right, but yet it didn't take you where you wanted to go. And you find yourself kind of lost and wondering, how did I get here and how do I get to where I'm supposed to be? And James is written to help us to realign things in our life to get new order, direction, and purpose back into our life. And I want to talk to you about that today. Because you see, faith, faith is a belief in something that has a corresponding action that goes along with it. The Bible says faith without works is dead. And, and faith requires a corresponding action that goes along with it or faith doesn't really exist. Let me explain that. How many drove to church today? How many put a key in ignition and turned it and expected it to now, I know that's 50-50 for some here, you know, and, and I've been there. I've been there where you're like in there, Lord, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray this thing works when I turn. I've been there. All right, thank God not there right now, but I have been there, all right? Remember those college days? Yes, sir, okay? And, uh, but you turn that key with full expectation, so action is following an unconscious faith. Another example, some of you may have stopped by McDonald's on the way to church today and got your, your, your oatmeal or your Egg McMuffin, and you ordered it at a station, but you expected to receive it when you got to the window. There was a corresponding action. After you made an order, you put action in to go pick it up. And that's what James is saying is that faith must be followed up by a corresponding action in our life. We all have faith of some type that is followed up by corresponding action. And James is showing us that not only do we believe in God, but there must be an action going along with our belief. Our corresponding action does not save us, but it expresses to those around us in what we already believe. It's like baptism. We're going to baptize today. What a baptism doesn't save you is an expression to those around you what you've already put your faith in, Jesus Christ. And faith is that, the corresponding action that we follow up our faith with is simply an expression to those around us that I'm walking out what I confess that I believe in. 
Are you with me so far? And, and so how important is faith to the believer? The Bible says it's very important. These are not in your notes. You can jot them down. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, the sinner is saved by faith. Any saved folks in here today except Jesus? We're saved by faith. What does that mean? I put my life in the hands of a God that I can't physically see, feel, or touch in the tangible, and yet his word tells me he's real, and I put my faith into him, and he's totally transformed my life. That the sinner saved by faith. Number two, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, the Bible says the believer now must walk by faith. That faith is our walk, that we walk by faith. And then Hebrews eleven six 6 says it's impossible to please God if you don't have faith. Very vital in our Christian life. You can't even please God without faith. And then Romans 14, 23 says anything that we do apart from faith is sin. And so the Bible is telling us faith is a vital part of our life. But faith must be combined, and here's the message today, and I want you to get this. Faith must be combined with a corresponding action that balances out life, and it's called faith and works. Faith and works. James puts it like this in James 2.14, our text today. Read it with me. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds or works, can such faith save him? Now, Dave Bells is going to help me. Come on up, Dave, if you don't mind. And we don't normally have bicycles in front of our church, but we have one today because it's a little illustration. Now, Dave's a stud, all right? He's what they call a stud. He's old, but he's an old stud, okay? And, uh, but, but Dave, he does all these things like triathlons and Iron Man in Atlanta, and you know the Iron Man. Dave rode how many miles yesterday? 50 miles for fun. Okay, I watched the Little League World Series by, for fun yesterday. Okay, my recliner wore me out, all right? And, uh, but Dave does stuff like that for fun, you know, and I just pray in the name of Jesus, let his body flow into mine without the effort, okay? Just let the results come in Jesus' name. But it doesn't work that way, sad to say. But Dave, he, he's getting ready. He's going to be doing the Iron Man in Atlanta. And then the Iron Man, tell us about the Iron Man. Whoa, whoa, whoa. 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike run, 22, 26.2 mile run. That's crazy. Now, I'm not calling him crazy. I'm just, he's stronger than me. I ain't calling him nothing. All right. Okay. But. But I did a little research, and let me quickly say this because I want to show you something that you can see. I, I did this, and there's three main fears of a long-distance bike rider. Number one is a flat tire. Flat tire, yeah. Number one, right? Am I right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Number one, the second fear of a long-distance rider is chain. the chain comes off. That's pretty disastrous. And the third one is a pedal breaks off. Because if you lose one of the pedals, you use the balance of the race. You can't, I mean, just try it. <laughs> now, just go home and do that one for 30 minutes and this one for 30 minutes and you'll be a Dave Jr. in Jesus' name, all right? But, but what is it? It's a fear. And here's what I want you to say. If you don't have both pedals working on both sides at the same time, you cannot get anywhere because you'd have no balance. And it's the same way in our Christian walk with God. If you have faith without works or you're trying works without faith, you're out of balance and you can't go anywhere in life. 
You're not getting anywhere because you're out of balance. Thank you, Dave. All right? And, and so the bicycle will go back. All right. And so you've got to come and realize today in your life, and here's what I want to talk to you about is this living faith that we've got to get a balance in our life today of faith and works. I'm not saved by works. I'm saved by faith in Jesus Christ, but works balance my life out, and my works are an expression of my faith in Jesus. Are you with me? The actions that follow that. In 2 Corinthians, the apostle Paul puts it like this. He says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. Anyone in here going through some stuff besides myself and our family? Any, anybody here going through a few things, you know? We've got a grandson we need a miracle in. I've got a brother we need a miracle in. We've got some stuff going on. Anybody here going through that? Can I tell you this? Your experience right now is a pop quiz that's preparing you for the final exam. And God's saying that, that faith comes in this, this thing. He says, do you not understand that Jesus Christ is inside of you? And God's not looking to fail you. He's not giving you a test to fail you. He's saying your experience right now, that's what Tommy was saying. I wouldn't trade it for the world because my journey has led many people to Jesus that I don't even know about. He passed the test. And you gotta realize today that your struggle today is not your ultimate final exam. It's a pop quiz preparing us for the final exam. And God's wanting to prepare us to pass the main test. And so there's three types of faith that I want to talk to you about today. And I want to share the outcome with you. Number one is dead faith. Dead faith. All right? Let's look at what the scripture says. James 2.7 says, In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is what? Dead. What is it? There's, there's the pedals. Faith Without action, corresponding response is dead faith. And you can come and quote all the scriptures you want to on healing, but if you don't put some action into your prayer of faith, there's going to be no healing. You can ask God, Lord, just touch my body and heal me. And if you're drinking two Pepsis and three Snicker bars a day, probably not going to happen. You don't drink Snickers, but you get the message, all right? Okay? Probably not going to happen. If you're asking God, Lord, help me in finances, and yet I'm blowing money and I'm not giving God what belongs to him, it's probably not going to happen. You've got to follow up your faith with works or it's dead faith. And Jesus makes that clear to us. I love John Calvin's statement. He said, faith alone justifies, but faith that justifies is never alone. Faith alone justifies me. What does that mean? Justified means just as if I had never sinned. Come on, anybody here thankful for that, that I get to stand before God today just as if I had never sinned because he, he that knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ, that he bore our sins in his body on the cross, but not only did he bear my sins, he bore the penalty of my sin. That I can stand just as if I never sinned before God, but he says faith alone justifies me but faith that justifies is never alone. It's always followed by a corresponding effort and results at the end that I put action behind my faith and I watch the miracle power of God perform in my life. Are you with me today? Okay? And so here, here's some examples of dead faith. Number one, dead faith is a talk without the walk. A talk without the walk. 
You see, it's not enough to talk faith, ministry, service, and never take the time or effort to impact someone with the truth and the hope of Jesus. It's not enough to talk about how much you love Jesus and never talk to people about him. It's not enough to talk about that God can heal and never pray for someone that's sick. It's not enough to talk that God provides and never let him use you to help provide for somebody. That I put action behind my faith. If I don't, I've got to talk without a walk. And the Bible says that's dead faith. Secondly, dead faith is a profession without a possession. It's not enough to have all the Christianese down. We've got that in church, don't we? Have you ever met those professional Christians? They got the Christianese down, man. Hallelujah, glory to God. Got the motions down and hadn't told one person about Jesus in five years. Got all the Christianese down, all the outward signs of spirituality, but they live in a constant life of defeat. Why? They have a profession without a possession. At some point, we must step into a place of a true change in Jesus Christ. Remember the fig tree? It had leaves but no fruit, and Jesus cursed it. You'll know why? It was dead faith. It had a profession to profess fruit because in those trees, if there were leaves, there were fruit. Fruit came before leaves. And so when Jesus saw the leaves, he immediately said there's fruit on that tree, but he came to it and it had leaves with no fruit and he cursed it and it died. And the world doesn't need to see our leaves. They need to see our fruit. And God is saying if you've got trees with leaves but you have no fruit, you're operating in dead faith. That produces nothing. Number two is deceptive faith. Deceptive faith. There's dead faith, but then there's deceptive faith. In James 2, 19, you believe that there is one God. Well, that's good, exclamation point. One God. How many believes there's one God? His name is Jesus. You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that, though. And they shudder. Can, Can I say this to you today? There is not one atheist demon. Every demon believes in Jesus. That just blows their theory all apart, don't it? Not one atheist demon out there going, I don't believe in him. No, they all believe in him. The Bible says they shudder just at his name. And and we've got to come and realize there's a deceptive faith. And here's three signs of a deceptive faith. Number one is no change. No change in the life. That I I profess Jesus, but there's no change in my life. I'm still doing everything I did that was tearing my life apart before I came to Jesus, but I'm a Christian. No, you just know about Christ, but you haven't met him yet. And I'm not saying that being ugly. I'm trying to save your soul right now because the Bible says when I come to Christ and I surrender my life to him, old things are passed away. All things become new. I'm a brand new person in Christ Jesus, my Lord. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Greater is he that lives inside of me than he that lives in the world. And what I used to be, I no longer am. And what I want to become, I'm now on that journey. There's a change that comes into a person's life that truly puts their faith in God. And we've got testimonies all across this building of ex-alcoholics, dope addicts, prostitutes, homosexuals. I mean, you name it. They're all through this sanctuary in every service that's experienced the changing power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He still changes lives today. But if there's no change, then you're not operating in living faith. You're operating in deceptive faith. Number two 
is there's no true love for Jesus. Deceptive faith that produces a life that has no true love for Jesus. You see, Jesus did not die to make mine and your life better. He died so we could come into relationship with him. Jesus didn't die just to make my life better. He died so I could become personal with him in a personal relationship with him. And Jesus wants you to have a true love for him. He that knew no sin became sin, as I said, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. I mean, look around us today. So many religious leaders and political leaders who declare that they're Christians, yet they promote the very things that go against the nature and the principles of God. Christ is nothing more than a campaign program for them, religious or political. There's no true love for Jesus because when you love Jesus, you love the things he loves and you hate the things he hates. You're in a relationship with him. You're an ambassador or representative of him on this earth. And, and deceptive faith is a faith that, that comes in and has no true love for Jesus. The word Christian means to be Christ-like. To become Christ-like means I fall in love with him and I will do nothing that offends or hurts him. Are you with me today? That means you don't come to church on Sunday and go, holy, 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 and Friday night you were doing everything but holy. Oh, yeah, that's old-time preaching, but we still need a little bit in the church today, all right? I'm 57, so expect it. And when he follows me, you better still be getting it or I'm going to take it back. All right? Number three, there's no repentance. No repentance. Deceptive faith produces a life with no repentance. I mean, we've got some that's promoting Christianity and not living it out, and now we've got folks going, my favorite book's the Bible, but I don't ever see a need to repent. I don't know about you. Every time I read it, I'm going, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Forgive me, God. I mean, my prayer every morning, whether I'm praying a warfare prayer or the tabernacle prayer, or whatever prayer I'm praying, part of that prayer every day is I'm going to that labor, I'm going to that altar first, and I'm thanking God for Christ and the blood and the sacrifice he made for my sins. And, and my second part of my prayer every morning is, Father, search my heart, know my thoughts, see if there be any wicked way in me, renew in me a right spirit, God, then sinners can be converted unto you, Father. Just let my life be clean, God. Forgive me, Lord, of known and unknown sin and if you're not in a place of repentance in your life you're operating in deceptive faith not true faith it's good preaching today it'll help set you free the amens are kind of weak but the preachers are really really good today all right okay y'all with me okay and then number three and here's one I really want to get to today is called living faith we've looked at dead faith deceptive faith but here's the one I want you to take home it's called living faith faith that is alive dynamic and moving you into God's ultimate purpose and plan for your life how many truly believes in here today God's got an ultimate plan and purpose for your life you're not here by accident you're here on purpose and we firmly believe that here at Transformation Church. Every person is born with purpose. That's why we have our four Sunday night growth track that we encourage every one of you to go through. Start next Sunday night, 101, and, and four weeks of helping you find your purpose and how God created you and helping you find how can I fit with my passion and my purpose and serving in the ministry and changing other people's lives. And, and by the way, through our dream team and our growth track, we got our numbers for the four, first four Sundays of this month only, 36 people. 
people on Sunday mornings have filled out the Connect card that have given their heart to Jesus Christ in here on Sunday mornings so far this month. 36 new people in the kingdom of God, and we still got today left. And, and by the way, last Sunday, 36 kids in our kids' zone gave their heart to Jesus last Sunday alone. Come on, let's give him a bigger hand than that. Hallelujah. What, what is that? It's called living faith. Following it up with something dynamic, understanding God's purpose and plan for our life. James 2, 22, he said this. Now you see that his faith, talking about Abraham, his faith and his actions, corresponding, faith and works, Abraham and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. What did he do? God had promised Abraham he, him and his wife, Sarah, she was barren, and God had promised them a son. And now they have this son named Isaac, and God says, through him, I'm going to give you a lineage, Abraham, that's going to outnumber the sand of the sea. That's a lot of children and grandchildren, folks. And he said, your lineage is going to outnumber. Can I tell you today, we're part of that lineage. We're part of that. But God made him a promise and then right after that promise, God says, okay, I gave you your son. I want him back. I, I, I want you to give him back to me. And he challenges Abraham to sacrifice his only son, the promised son, the gift that God just said he's going to bless the nations of the earth through. God says, now I want you to put him on an altar and kill him and give him back to me. And how many besides me says there's no logic in that? Why are you going to bless me with something and then tell me to give it back and kill the dream and the promise that you just gave me? But Abraham was a man of true living faith that said, okay, God's up to something in this. I don't understand it, but I know just do what he tells me to do, and he's going to work it out. And he goes and starts gathering the wood and builds an altar and gets ready to take his son's life. What is he doing? He's putting action behind what God has spoke to him, that his actions were working together with his faith. And Abraham knew this. Either God's going to raise my son from the dead if I take his life, or he He's going to provide a ransom that I will not have to take him. God's checking out. I've got a little pop quiz here, and I need to pass it so I can pass the final exam. And he went and gathered it and laid his son on the altar, and all of a sudden he looked around, and there was a lamb caught in the bulrush in the bush, and God had an angel grab his arm and say, No, don't take his life. You don't have to do that. I was just testing you. And God kept his promise. Let me say this to you today. You've got to realize today that faith and works were demanded for the miracle to come forth in Abraham's life. It didn't just require faith. It required his works with the faith. And you and I have to understand today that dynamic faith requires you to move into dynamic measures of trust. I'm going to say that again. Dynamic faith requires you and I to move into dynamic measures of trust. You will never move into a realm of dynamic faith without taking a huge risk that requires total faith in God and his promises for you and your family. It's not going to happen. And God's going to challenge many of us in here to take those chances because God wants to move us into supernatural realms of favor and blessing, and God's going to throw you out a pop quiz to see if you're ready for the final exam. When Kathy and I took the full-time position of this church, I was a field vice president of a financial service company making six figures plus. And God challenges this church. We started in our living room with a handful of us. 
And today it's uh, averaging over 500, 550 every Sunday. But it didn't start out like that. And, and I'm making six figures, and the church starts growing and growing, and we had to make a decision to either pastor the church or, or leave it and stay in the financial business. I, I had 47 agents working for me. I had offices in three locations, getting ready to start one in Puerto Rico. I mean, business was booming, and now I'm put with a test. You either follow the vision and the promises of God in your life and go after the money, or you walk away from the money and the security that it brings and trust God with the church. And we made that decision. We, we dropped close to $80,000 a year of income in one week to trust God and we've never missed it and we've never regretted it and we still travel we go on vacations we fix it we our bucket list next is an Alaskan cruise and we going on one Amen. We've been to Hawaii twice. We've been to Jamaica. I'm not saying that in arrogant. I'm saying that God, when you step out in faith, sometimes God is going to require. This church would not be here today. Many of you wouldn't have been saved. And I don't mean that on us. I'm saying your decisions has a direct effect on a multitude of people. What if Abraham would have said no? I ain't doing it, God. Don't make sense to me. And sometimes you've got to step out and know that Dynamic faith takes dynamic steps of trust and faith in God. The favor and blessing of God are found when his perfect will. And sometimes that demands a season of faith on our part before we see the supernatural power of God expressed in our lives and our families. And James then speaks to us in two verses, and I want to look at those today. And he gives us three actions that are involved in dynamic faith of living faith, dynamics of living faith. How many want to walk in living faith today that's going to produce the supernatural power of God in your life? James 2, 17 and 18. Let's go over them real quick. In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, there's the two on the bicycle, faith and action, it's dead. But someone will say, you have faith, but I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I'll show you my faith by what I do. And that's what the world's looking for today. They're looking for people that will not only say God is real, show me he's real. Not only that God can change, then show me how he changed your life. People you work with today, they don't want a three-point message from you. They want to hear your story. What has God done for you? We've got to come and add those two together. Dynamic faith. Charles Spurgeon put it like this. The grace that does not change my life will not change my soul either. The grace that will not change my life cannot change my soul. And if God's power and grace was enough to change your soul, he's strong enough to change your whole life and feel, fulfill that purpose that he has in and for you. And so faith is not faith because of evidence. Faith is faith in spite of evidence. The evidence of Tommy Hinn said for 24 days that he has zero chance to live. You got to turn him off and donate his organs. But in spite of evidence, and they were correct medically, but in spite of medical evidence, God showed up and connected faith with action that said, no, we're not turning him off. We're taking him home. And those two got together with thousands of people praying and our sons alive and in church serving God today. It works, but you've got to come and realize that. So three things about dynamic living faith. Number one, living faith is faith that steps out. It steps out. In James 2, 21, 
Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, Abraham had to step out in faith. How did he do that? He went and gathered the wood. He built the altar. He tied his son up. He put him on the altar. He, he stepped out in faith to do what God told him to do, and then a miracle took place. All right? Now, I'm going to do just a tangible illustration so you can see it. And uh, I'm on, you, these two were sitting here real early. Yeah, this is the bless. No, I'm going to bless you. Come on up. Yeah, y'all been at prayer every morning. Yeah, they've, my faithful prayer warriors. And, and I'm going to give y'all some money. Is that okay? You okay with that? Okay, I'm, I'm going to give you 10 bucks a piece. Because I'm going to show you. I'm just going to use something tangible so you can understand. Because the Bible teaches us the principle of tithing, right? I'm going to use something tangible. And we're in a covenant, and faith steps out. And, and faith means I've got to trust God and believe him that he'll really do what he said he'll do. And, and the tithing principle, God says, if you bring, that's voluntarily, giving under grace, not under law. If you bring to me, my father taught us to tithe 15%, not 10. He said, you put that extra five in there in case you miss the offering. That's why he raised us. And, and we've done that our whole life. My children do it. And we've watched the favor and the blessing of God. We've watched his word. How many's found out the principle of tithing works? Amen. It's just a biblical principle. And here's what God said. If you bring me that tithe, and how many knows that takes faith? Because I could use that. I really could use that sometimes, but that doesn't belong to me. That's God's. And he said, if you'll bring to me voluntarily that 10%, so if you make $100, 10 belongs to me, you bring that to the storehouse, he said, I'm going to destroy the devourer that's trying to steal the fruit of your vine. I'm going to bless you with a blessing you cannot contain. And so God gives you $10, and he gives you $10, and he says, okay, you, you made $10 this week. Now, I'm going to bless you with that under one condition would you take a step of faith and put 10% of that back in the source of which it came because I want to start a covenant agreement with you that I'm going to bless you. You give back the tithe to me. I'm going to bless you back so you can give back the tithe to me. I want to start a non-ending cycle of sowing and reaping. Are you okay with that? Are you okay giving 10%? Can you do that to the source that blessed you? Okay, because if you're willing to do that, let's do it again. Is that okay with you? And so we're going to do it again so that you can have that if you're willing to give that 10% back. Are you okay with that? You okay doing the 10% back from the source in which it came? Don't keep it all, okay? And just the one. I don't need a five, just the one. All right, that's one on top, Sagan. <laughs> and so what, what have we done? We've, we've started a cycle. Are you with me? There you go. God bless y'all. Thank you. All right, so what, what is that? That's the tangible, a tangible expression of letting you see what God is saying. What did they have to do? They stepped out in action. They stepped out and said, I really could keep this 10% for myself, but God says to trust him by giving it to him, and he'll take care of that and more. And that's what God said. It may be your marriage. It may be your health. It may be your finances. I'm trying to use something you can see that you can see. you got to step out if you're going to see living and dynamic faith work in your life. Amen? Number two is that you've got to understand that living faith speaks out. Living faith speaks out. I mean, James goes over here into this totally looking like crazy direction right after that. And he says in James 2, 25, in the same way was not even Rahab the prostitute. I mean, he's gone from this to talking to us about a hooker and a prostitute. I mean, like they said, you know, why do drugs when you can do the Bible, right? I mean, it's just full of great stuff, all right? 
And so here, here he is, he says, in the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did? She gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. Living faith speaks out. Rahab was a prostitute. She was a Gentile. She was the low class. She was looked at as a nobody. And here they are in the, the city of Jericho. And God's promised them the city. But nobody in the city is agreeing with it. They're fighting, resisting them. But Rahab, she saw, but not only did she see, she spoke out. We find it in Joshua 2.9. It's not in your notes. And she said to them, I know she spoke out to those that didn't agree with her. And said, I know that the Lord has given this land, what? To you, talking to those that are with Joshua and them, and a great fear of you has now fallen on our city. And she was willing to speak out. Rahab knew that every person in Jericho was against the servants of God, but she dared to speak out on their behalf, and she encouraged them to go forward in what God had called them. Some of you need to speak out to your situation today. Some of you need to declare, call things as though they are, even though they're not yet. You need to speak to that doctor's report and bring it in reverse. You need to speak to that counselor's report about your marriage and watch God put it back together. You need to speak to your health. You need to speak to your financial situation. You need to start declaring the blessing and the favor of God. Start looking for symptoms and quit looking, or start looking for signs and quit looking for symptoms. Number three. Living faith works out. It works out. You see, Rahab watches the Israelites march around the wall seven times, each time with nothing happening on the outside, but records were being kept in heaven on the inside, waiting for the faith of the people to be worked out. I mean, on the outside, God tells them, march around that wall seven times. And, and, and there's a study in the Bible called topology, the study of numbers. And let me tell you, anytime God delays your breakthrough and asks you to go on a journey, there's a reason for it. And you've got to keep walking out your faith. You've got to walk it out. And every day they walked around that wall had a meaning because one in the Bible is the number of God. God doesn't need seven times to do anything. He just needs one. And he said, day one, I want you to walk around that wall for me and give me glory. And they did. Nothing happened. And so they walked around it that second time. Two in the Bible is the number of witness. God said in the council of two or three, there'll be a witness. He said, get ready because I'm about to bear witness of what I'm going to do here at Jericho. And then he said, number three, day three, they start again. Nothing's happening. I don't know, Pastor Josh. I don't know if this is really God or not. I don't see anything happening, and I'm doing what you told me to do. And, and day three is the number of the Trinity. And the, God said, the Father's going to do a work. The Son's going to be involved, and the Spirit's going to release his power. And there's a miracle that's going to happen here at Jericho. And they marched around, yet nothing happened. Number four in the Bible is the number of the earth. Four corners of the earth. Four colors of the earth. Four seasons of the earth. God said, I want you to walk around this wall. Get ready, because I'm getting the attention of the whole earth of what I'm about to do here at Jericho. Number five in the Bible is the number of grace. And by that fifth day, I can promise you the people of Israelites are complaining. They're backbiting. They're like, our preachers lost it. Nothing's happening. Told us God's gonna give us this city. Nothing's going on. But in my weakness, I'm made strong. His grace is sufficient unto me. And day five is the number of grace. Day six came. And six in the Bible is the number of man. One six is a political 
leader, two six is a social leader, three six is a religious leader, six six six, the number of man. And God said by that sixth day, man wants to get involved. You aren't seeing God do anything, so you want to take over and fix it yourself. Well, God's not showing up, so I'll take care of it. Day six came, but number seven came. Seven in the Bible is a number of fulfillment, which means it can't get worse. It can only get better. And God said, here's what I want you to do. I want the priest to get out the ram's horn, get out the silver trumpets. Ram's horn in the Bible represented the power of the animal. To us, it's a representation of the power of the Holy Spirit. He said, I want you to get the ram's horn representing the power of the Holy Spirit. I want you to get the silver trumpet. And silver in the Bible represents redemption. When a man made atonement for his sins in the Old Testament, he brought a half a shekel of silver. And God said, I want you to get the ram's horn representing power of the Holy Spirit. Get out that silver trumpet representing the redemption of Jesus Christ in your life life and I want you to get ready to blow those on that seventh time around and I want the people of God to get ready to shout and when they begin to shout and they begin to blow the trumpet of the power of the Holy Spirit and begin to yell and scream the power of the redempting of Jesus Christ in their life the walls did not fall down like many tell you my wife and I've been to Israel they did not collapse so the Israelites would have never been able to get over into the city the earth opened up and swallowed the walls I've been there where the earth literally opened up and swallowed the walls they just sank into the earth as God performed a miracle when his people were willing to walk it out. And you see today, you can't quit on day two. You can't give up on day four. You get to day five, his grace is sufficient. For me, I don't see it yet, but it's happening. Get to day six and your flesh wants to take over. No, God, we're not going there. You've been too faithful to me now. I'm going to work it out. I'm going to walk it out, God, until I watch you perform. Because day seven's coming. God's fulfillment, his purpose, his ultimate plan for your life. God's going to bring it in Jesus' name. Now, how many is ready for his purpose? How many is ready for his glory to shine in your life today? And I want to challenge you today, and you can finish reading the scriptures in your notes, but I want to challenge you today because many of you are in a, in a test. You're in a trial. You're in a conflict. My family, many of you know, if you've been here, my little grandson's diagnosed terminal, two and a half years old, given a short time to live. But I'm holding him. I'm praying over him. I'm going to play ball with him one day. All right? I, I'm in day six, man, where flesh is just like, huh. But I keep going back, and I, I prayed last night. Turn some music on. I've, I've got bronchitis. I've got sinus infection. I'm burning up up here today, but I said, I'm preaching this message. Now, I ain't going to shake your hand after church because I don't want you to get it. My son will do that. But I'm going to tell you something. There's, you you got to learn how to fight sick. you got to learn how to fight when you don't feel good. you got to learn how to step up and stand up and go, you know what, God? you got a plan bigger than mine. And I want to tell you, many of you are in a battle just like my family, and you're in day three, five, seven. But God wants you to know today, don't quit. Quit marching. Don't quit stepping out. You got to step out, speak out, and you got to work it out. And if you'll do those three, you're going to see living faith, dynamic faith connected with works that's going to start performing in your life in Jesus' name. Anybody receive the word today? Amen. Come on, let's give God praise for His word. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Every head bowed. How many here right now would raise a hand and say, Pastor, boy, that's me right now. I'm in the middle of a conflict. I'm like those Israelites walking around a wall. Feel like I'm going nowhere. I don't see anything happening. But God's speaking to me right now. I'm not going to quit, man. I was close to quitting, Pastor, but I, I'm going to keep, I'm going I'm to talk it out. I'm going to walk it out. I'm going to speak it out. I'm going to do it. I'm going to watch God perform. Come on, if that's you, raise a hand right now. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to point you out. Father, I pray the power of Jesus right now over every person whose hands raised. 
I just pray the enablement of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to come alive in their heart today. That God, in the midst of this journey, let faith be combined with works, a corresponding response, God, that, that will let faith come alive in their hearts today. And don't let them quit. Don't let them give up, God. Let them stand firm. Let them stand firm today and trust you in the midst of their journey. And God, just like you did with Abraham, you're going to show up. You're going to show up in an amazing way, God, for those that will put their faith and their trust in you. And we thank you for that promise. How many now would lift a hand and say, Pastor Dan, I'm here today, and while I've experienced the presence of Jesus and the joy of God and the worship and your word today that God has brought and I know today that I know about God. I've got the Christian ease down, but man, I'm, I'm, I'm away from God. There's just some stuff that's happening. I'm not where I belong with him today. I don't, I don't have that relationship with him that I really need in my life today. And I just want you to pray a prayer for me. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not coming to you. I just want to pray for you. If that's you, would you slip a hand up right now? While wow, hands going up all over this building right now. Jesus loves you today. He wants to give you a brand new beginning. We love you today too. Will you pray this prayer with me if you raise your hand or you did not? Pray this prayer with me today. We're going to join with you. You can just pray it at your seat privately. Say, dear Jesus, you said in your word, if I would come to you, confess with my mouth that you are Lord, believe in my heart that you raised from the dead, I can be saved. So right now, I come to you. I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. I believe in my heart that you raised from the dead and I receive you as my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. According to your word, I'm saved. I'm a new person in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, you join me. There was about 10, 12 people raised their hand. God bless you today.